So when we're talking about uh, the title of this uh, uh, devotional series that uh, we've been in and everything, it's called Where Is Your Head? And the reason, uh, um, the reason for that title is simply this. Where is your head at during this time of crisis, the time of uh, your uh, uh, profession of faith? Where is your head during all these days that, are, uh, that we're in right now um, with the walk with Christ? Good morning, good morning. And uh, so let's go back to Luke 9, verse 23 through 27. Then we'll kind of recap a little bit of where we touched on yesterday and go right back into division. But uh, Luke would say in chapter 9, starting at verse 23, and he was saying to them all, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, he is the one who will save it. For what is a man profited if he gains the whole world and loses the Fortifice, uh, excuse me, himself. For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes into glory, and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. But I say unto you, truthfully, there are some of those standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. Uh, I will say this that, uh, uh, good morning. I'll say this, that that verse 27 is a verse that uh, confuses a lot of people. We will touch on that, but I really want us to focus back in on just this first part of um, the Luke's message uh, that he recorded through his investigations um, where we got the gospel of according to Luke. Now let's go back to Matthew. Let's go back to Matthew chapter 10, starting at verse 34. All right. Uh, if you got your Bibles with you, man, always open those things up or take notes or whatever you want to do. But we're going to be back in Matthew chapter 10 now, starting at verse 34. And it says this, Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I came to set a man against his father, and a daughter against his uh, a daughter against her mother-in-law, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a daughter against her mother. Verse thirty-six. And a man's enemies will be the members of his household. Verse thirty-seven. He who loves the father, uh, excuse me, he who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he who loves the son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. And he who has found uh, his life will lose it. And he who has lost his life for my sake will find it. I think it's very interesting um, that all the gospels, okay, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all tell this story, okay? And, and yet they are written from different people to different audiences from different perspectives, Um but yet all of them tell this story, and I believe that that is fully inspired by the Holy Spirit. And the reason is, is because this is very important to understand. If you're going to follow Christ, okay, and I know that we, we, we find ourselves as profession Christians, oh, I'm going to follow Christ. We, we either walk down the aisle or we come and make that profession of faith before the church body, and we get baptized, and man, it feels good, and, 
it, 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 it sometimes is more of a, an emotional thing versus it is a true spiritual thing. And the reason I say that is because we're so fired up to follow Christ, but you give it a couple of weeks or you give it a couple of months, um, you give it maybe around some certain uh, uh, testing that is placed upon uh, people uh, to see if their faith is true or not, to see if their faith is, is fickle or not. Um, and, and most of the time you will see those people, they don't want to make anybody mad, okay? They have this understanding that um, God is all love, that to uh, 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 that you're just supposed to love everybody and, and you're not supposed to judge anybody. For heaven's sake, you don't ever judge anybody, okay? The, the thing is, we have to stay with a biblical understanding of what Jesus is doing, okay? Now, I want you to understand this, kind of go right back to, to Luke right quick. Just You don't have to go back in your Bible, just to, but just to pivot back to Luke right quick. He lays out for us through the words of Christ, okay? Matthew lays out to us through the words of Christ, and so does the other two in the Gospels. First of all, you've got to deny yourself. You've got to say, self, take a hike. Number two, you've got to do this daily, when you wake up in the morning, it should be a daily thing you do, not only just in the morning to start your day off, but throughout the day, okay? Because there's going to be times throughout the day you are going to, your old flesh, as I was talking to a pastor friend of mine last night and also a deacon, we had really good discussion, but that was one thing we kind of all laughed about is sometimes, you know, our old self likes to show up every once in a while because we're still fleshly, and you've got to make sure that that person, that old person, the old fleshly person, um, as Paul would say in Romans, uh, you got to make sure that that person is kind of squished back down, and it's a it's throughout the day. Then number three, you are to what? Follow Christ, not follow your your thought process, not not follow what you believe is right, not follow how you interpret Scripture, not follow even the pastor. You are to follow Christ, okay? You are to follow Christ. Now, when we're talking about the pastor, if that pastor is leading scripturally you know, over his flock, then yes, you are to submit to him. We understand that from Hebrews, okay? But if that pastor is not, then you go right back to, okay, I've got to do what Christ says is, that is correct. I've got to follow him, okay? That's why doctrine is very important. So I might as well say, don't forget about tonight, right back here on Unbridled Ministries, we go right back into understanding the importance of doctrine. And tonight we're going to uh, introduce the doctrine of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. All right? Now, to pivot off of following Christ, you have to what? You've got to make a complete dedication. You have had, you've got to have a willingness of obedience, a willful obedience, and then you've got to have a self-denial. Now, we also talked about yesterday morning when we're encapsulating all those things that just just pulled out of uh, uh, Luke 9.23. Then yesterday morning, we talked about what it's going to feel like, what's going to happen when you truly dedicate yourself to Christ. And what better time to do that than right now, okay? Not right now, not because we have a crisis, but because we are we're still. A lot of us are having to be still. And what better time than right now than to evaluate our lives, evaluate our walk, evaluate our faith, evaluate the day that we, if you can remember, okay, but 
Evaluate the day that you were saved, that God so graciously called you. Evaluate that moment. And what I mean by evaluate that moment is this. And, and I know a lot of people get upset at me for, for this reason, and I will not apologize for that. But Jeff, you, you call into people, you call people's salvation into question a lot when you preach or you teach. Y- yes, <laughs> go read the Bible. So does Paul. So does Jesus. If, if you haven't read Matthew chapter 7, I, I would advise that. It's a great discourse that Jesus gives, and he calls people's salvation, so-called salvation, into question heavily. It's very important. It's very important that we evaluate where we stand because one day it's going to be too late. One day it's going to be too late. And what I mean by that is um, when you stand, you know, uh, when you die here on this old earth, whether it's, you know, physically or whatever, um, you're going to stand before Christ the judge. And it's either going to be you're saved on, on his merits or you're going to be saved on your merits and your merits are going to be burned up with fire and there's not going to be anything there. And he's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. So what better way than, hey, while we're here on earth, why don't we still have time to evaluate daily? I do that even with myself. There's times that I fall into doubt. Okay. There's times that I fall into, man, is this, is this all real? Is this legit? Or did I just, you know, did I just say though, you know, the most famous thing? Did I just say the prayer? Okay. Now, with that being said, after we have kind of evaluated ourselves, we need to understand that when we put on that old armor, when we put on, I'm going to follow Christ and I'm going to do what he says to do. He says, you've got to be prepared for something. He says, not only do you need to be prepared for uh, that you've got to take up your cross, okay, which was a symbolic understanding to the to the disciples back then and to the Jews back then because of what they were having to live around with the Roman Empire of the the, the crucifix of people uh, being uh, placed upon the cross, okay, um, and and killed. And Jesus even knew that's where he was going. He anticipated. He actually longed for that, okay. And he's telling them, "You've got to take up your cross." He also says. There's going to be division in your life as well, and you need to be prepared for that. And he tells us in Matthew, and Matthew writes in his, in his gospel, he says this, do not think, now this is Jesus talking, but Matthew has wrote it down several years after the uh, ascension of Jesus. But do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. Okay? We, have a, we need to understand that the only peace that Jesus came to give was between you as a sinner and God as a holy, righteous, sinless father. The peace of Christ through him, you saved through him and the peace of Christ, that peace of Christ eliminates you from the wrath of God. Without that peace of Christ, then you stand before the wrath and indignation of God Almighty. That's the peace, that's the biblical context of peace that Jesus gave. But he did not come to give everybody a social justice gospel. I'm going to use that word because it's, it's running rampant like crazy in churches that we can't offend anybody. If you live an alternative lifestyle, that's okay. God loves you. If you sin, that's okay. You're saved. God loves you. If you... Um, 
are living in sin, that's okay. God loves you. God loves everybody. It is this thing called universalism, which means this. And if you don't know what universalism is, I'm going to give you a quick definition of it. And then I want you to start listening to several preachers out there who love to preach perfectionism and universalism. And what I mean by universalism is this, and this is a factual, factual thing. Universalism is that God loves everybody, that all of humanity is going to be saved. We just have to go through these difficult times. We've got to go through these times of of hardship, but God is so loving and so graceful and so merciful that he is, he's going to save everybody. And not only is he going to save everybody, but there's a little bit of a God in you as well. That there's a little, there's some good in you. There's some good in everybody. And that makes you a little God, which is little deity. And we will not only reign, but we will have authority like God. Let me tell you something, folks. That is heretic. That is false. And there's a lot of people that are following that. So if you want to think that I'm just making that up, please do your research because it is a factual, factual thing. It's called universalism, and it is a piggyback off of perfectionism, okay? Those two go hand in hand, almost like husband and wife. I want you to, t- I want you to understand something that is false, and here's what Jesus says. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. I came to bring division, And if you're going to follow me, you need to understand there will be division. Now, what is he talking about division? Well, let's give you some examples here. He is going to divide between himself and the Antichrist. And I think we're ramping up to that pretty darn quick. All right. What else is he going to divide? He is dividing light from darkness, sin from righteousness, dirty from cleanliness. What else is he doing? He is also exposing children of God and the children of Satan. He is exposing those that are true followers and those who are false followers. He is exposing those who belong to the bride and in those who don't belong to the bride, even though they sit among the bride. That's what he's doing. And he's sitting there telling the disciples and he's telling you and me this morning through the scriptures and through understanding of the scriptures is that you need to be prepared for that. Let me tell you something, folks. If you're not seeing that today, you're blind. And what I mean by that is this. And I called up to, again, spoke to two of my good close friends in the ministry uh, last night. And I cannot wait for you to hear these two guys this coming weekend. Um... I'll get to that here in just a minute as we close. But I am seeing more preachers and more churches turn on each other right now because they are not worshiping the way they are worshiping. I am seeing more church members arguing and fighting than ever before. I'm seeing more preachers again If you're not doing it this way, if you're not gathering in person, you're not a church, you're not having church. Folks, let me tell you something. It's even getting down to the arguing between you can't administer the Lord's Supper over 
via live footage, so therefore you're not a church. Now, I will agree, I don't think that we should be administering the Lord's Supper um, online. I, I don't. That makes no sense, and there's no, there's no biblical uh, teaching on doing it in, in separately. But I will say this. There's no biblical commandment either to do it constantly. It is to do it and remember to me when you do these things. Let me tell you something. When we do get back together as a church body, it will be one of the sweetest Lord's Supper probably the, uh, the church, and I'm talking about the universal church, will probably ever administer. But when we start fighting about these things, we need to come back and understand these scriptures. Jesus says, I come to bring division. And I'm starting to find through watching all these things, I'm starting to find true followers and ones that just want the authority, ones that just want the power, ones that just want the title of pastor, ones that just want to say, I go to church. Oh, and if you're not holding church, if you're not standing out in the uh, 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 parking lot and you're not screaming and you're not preaching outside while people either sit in their cars or they sit in their lounge chairs or they sit, you know, at uh, uh, so many feet apart, then you're not even a real church. You're not even a real preacher. You're actually a coward. Folks, let me tell you something. That is being said loudly. And that breaks my heart. Here's the thing. Paul would use in Romans 13, and I know Romans 13, as of yesterday, has absolutely gotten slandered and slaughtered and destroyed. But what I think people are forgetting is that Paul wrote to the Roman church, which that letter of Romans circulated also throughout other churches. But there was a time... And we need to go back and do our church history that that letter was read during the time and persecution of Nero, who would persecute Christians on a cross, pour them with tar, and set them on fire. And they would be human candles that lit up the streets, but also would light up his perversion acts. He would literally uh, encirculate Christians, the ones who said they followed Christ, to the death, and those were true followers. Light them on fire, which would then illuminate a location in his play, so-called playground for sexual acts. That's how sick this man was. That's how perverted this man was. And yet you have Paul telling the Christians, submit to the government authorities. Folks, it's not ideal. We're seeing things right now that are causing the church to divide, that are causing Christians to fight each uh, one another. And it's all for the exposure of this right here. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. I'm going to divide out. I'm going to divide the sheep from the goats. This is where you have to use not only discernment and common sense, but you're going to say, I'm going to follow you, Jesus. I'm not going to listen to all the noise over here. I'm going to follow you. My eyes are fixed on you. And it might not be popular to do this, Lord. It might not be the wise thing to do Verse, you know, uh, uh, talking about from a worldly view standpoint, from even a, a, a church standpoint. It might not be the viewpoint that other people are going to take, but I'm going to follow you. And if it divides me out and I am single, yet I'm never alone. 
And he says that. Because he says in verse 39, he who has found his life will lose it. And what he means by that is those who compromise, those who concede, those who take their eyes off me, those who quit following me because of the outside pressures. He already talked about from family. He's already talked about from friends. We've already talked about it from the church. Those who falter because of these pressures, because you want to save your life, which means this, you want to save your reputation. You want to deny Christ is what that means. Oh, but I'm not going to deny him. I just got to use the, the correct wording. I've got to lie a little bit. I don't want to make people mad. I want to lie. I want to say one thing and, and do another. Well, James chapter 1, uh, I think it's what verses 1 through 15 talks about that. You're a double-minded man, and we find out that that double-minded person is truly not even saved at the end of the day. John chapter 4. <laughs> Folks, I'm going to tell you something. If you're looking for popularity, if you're looking to follow the masses, if you are looking to appease people, if you're looking to be that complementarianism, if you're looking to be that perfectionism, if you're looking to be that universalism type of mindset uh, Christian, I'm going to tell you something. You're, you're lost as a goose, and you're going to lose your life. Jesus promises that. See, it's not Matthew's opinion. It's not even my, my, uh, uh, my understanding of Scripture this morning. It's just telling you what Scripture states. It says this, He who has found his life, Okay, he who has found his life will what? Lose it. Lose it. You've lost it. And we go back, and I'm not going to go back there now, but go read Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, 22, and 23, and you will get your answer of how the person who found his life will lose it. Okay? Then he keeps going on in verse 39, and he who has lost his life for my sake. Did you catch that? For my sake, we'll find it. How will he find it? Eternal life. Eternal life. Now, I want you to flip over in your scriptures with me this morning as we wrap this thing up. I want to take you to Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14, starting at verse 26. Here we have another great explanation of what Luke has been writing about and what Matthew wrote about. We have a deeper explanation of what you and I need to do as we consider these things, as we consider the division that is among us, that will come among us. We are commanded to do something. And what is that? Sit down and think. Because one of the worst things you can do is be one of these emotional type of people. And what I mean by that is this. I'll give you an example. Um, Matthew writes it in his earlier part of his gospel, the beginning of the gospel. But Jesus is talking about the seeds. And he said there's some seeds that fell on rocky ground and they immediately sprang up. But when the sun came out and it scorched it, it withered away and died because it had no root. 
before you get all excited and all of a sudden you're a spiritual warrior for Christ and I'm going to do this and I understand that it's going to cause division not only with my household, not only with my friends, not only with my workplace, not only with even my church that I go to. Before you start saying, I am ready to go and take on the world with this, you need to understand this is not an emotional time. It is a spiritual discerning time. And Luke gives us, through Christ's words, an understanding that we must review. Luke 14, 26 says, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Verse 27, Whoever does not carry his own cross and comes after me cannot be my own disciple. Basically the same thing he just said back in, uh, in the ninth chapter, what we just talked about in Matthew chapter 10. But here is a new standard. Verse 28 for which of you, when he wants to build a tower, does not sit down or sit does not first sit down and calculate the cost? Stop right there for just a second in the scripture. For which one of you, when he wants to build a tower, does not first sit down? What does that mean? You got to think about this. You got to think about this. This is the examination of your salvation. This is you figuring out, am I truly saved? Or am I emotionally saved? Well, let me tell you something, folks. Emotionally saved will not get you to heaven at all. At all. At all. Good works will not get you to heaven. Going to church will not get you to heaven. You got to sit down and you got to think about this. Are you truly prepared? Not only to take up your cross, which means you're going to die. That's what that means. You're going to die. It's a given. Once you grab that thing, you're going to die. Once you lay your hand on it, you're going to die. That's why Paul says, whoever lays their hand to the, to the plow and turns around and looks back is not fit for the kingdom of heaven. Are you truly ready to deny yourself? All the things that you would personally want? all those ambitious things that you would personally want that excludes Christ. So you can't have the world and Christ. Paul would say you can't, uh, Paul would say you can't um, um, drink or excuse me, eat from the table of, of Jesus and, and eat from the table of demons. You can't drink from the cup of Jesus and drink from the cup of demons. You, you can't have it both ways. Are you truly, are you truly wanting to do that? Then you need to sit down and you gotta think about these costs. Are you ready to see a division in your household? And you say, Well, I've never heard of that. Let me tell you something. I've counseled people through that. It does happen. And it happens a lot. Why? Because you're you're just not the man or you're just not the woman you were when we got married. I want to go out and I want to party and I wanna have fun. I wanna go drink with friends. I wanna go and do the things we used to do, but but honey, I wasn't saved then. I'm a new person now. Well, I don't like this new person. Let me tell you something. Those arguments happen a lot. Are you ready to do that with your kids? Are you ready to do that with your in-laws? Are you ready to do that with 
even your own family members. If you're not, then you need to hang on. You need to stop. And that's why Luke says you must sit down. You, you first got to sit down and you've got to think this thing out. It's like my granddad always said, before you do something, son, write out a plan. Draw it out on a piece of paper. Don't just go out there and start building something. You got to have a blueprint. This is exactly what Jesus is saying. You got to have a blueprint. And not only does he say sit down, that's the first thing you do. You got to sit down. He also says what? You got to calculate the cost. You got to calculate the cost. Are you ready to lose that job? Are you ready to be exiled from the church? Are you ready to leave that church? Are you ready to leave friendship? Are you ready to see a lot of things, if not all things, go away for the sake of following Jesus Christ? Are you calculating the cost? Are you seeing the subtraction of the division just because you want to follow Christ? That's where we have to start, folks. we got to understand not only is the division going to be there, but that division is going to have a cost to it. And are you ready to do that? Paul would sit there and tell the, the uh, Philippian church who, what he used to be. And then he says this, and I'm paraphrasing for the sake of time. He says this, but I consider it all rubbish for the sake of Christ. He said, and I believe it's in the King James Version, the word is used as dung. I consider it all manure. I've sat down, he said, I've calculated the cost, and I have lost everything, Paul says. And he did. He, he lost everything. If you understand where Paul came from out of uh, 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 Tarsus, uh, Cilicia, you would understand exactly how much he lost. He lost friends, even lost his wife. He lost his family. He lost his position. He lost his title. He lost his authority. He was stoned by his own people. He was cast out of town by his own people. He was cast out of synagogues by his own people. I could keep going. And he sat there and says this to the Philippian church. I count all that loss as manure, worthless, just for the sake of Christ. Folks, that's the mindset we got to have to follow Christ. That no matter whatever we lose, good, good, because we've gained so much more. But are you prepared for the division that it's going to give? And we're seeing that now. Are you prepared to truly stand up and follow the biblical Christ? Not the worldly Christ, not the Antichrist, not several Antichrists. As John would say, multiple Antichrists has come, and we're seeing some of those right now, but we haven't seen the final one yet. But are you prepared to say, no, I'm going to follow the biblical Christ? And it's going to cost me. And there's going to be division. But I'm okay with that. And if I stand alone, then I stand alone with the mighty host of heaven. And I'd rather stand in that, that group of people than among a worldly group of people any day. And I hope that's your, your prayer and plea this morning as well. That's where we're going to stop at this morning. 
Hope to see you back tonight at 8 o'clock. Don't forget, it is 8 p.m. tonight for Unbridled Truth Ministries. That's 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central. Also, don't forget, the No Other Gospel uh, live on Facebook conference starts Friday night, 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central. Uh, It is Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night. You've got Michael Mars preaching uh, Friday night, Justin Bowman preaching with testimony on Saturday night, and then I'll be preaching on Sunday night on the title, No Other Gospel. We'd love to have you uh, be a part of this. It's on Facebook Live, all right? Hope you have a great day. Seek the Lord first. Amen. Bye-bye.